Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of How I Teach with the Language Arts Lady. I am Donna Reese, your hostess and your teacher, and I'm excited today to bring you episode number 32 of How I Teach. Let's get our housekeeping things out of the way right off the bat so we can get into some great content today about how to edit students' papers. I'm going to walk you through a sample that I have over-edited um, just so that you will be able to see all the ways that you can edit in such a way that specifically your junior high and high schoolers will be able to learn from your edits. So here we go. First of all, there are two ways to consume how I teach. You can watch it on video at YouTube or Language Arts Lady blog, or you can listen to it at your favorite podcast provider. Regardless of whether you listen or watch, um, you have the opportunity to get your great teacher's notebook episode sheets. And these episode sheets have free lessons for you. Um, usually they have a complete lesson that you can teach from. This one here has um, a proofreading mark document for the teacher, a coding uh, document that I use myself that I've developed and um, also the sample uh, story that I am gonna edit for you live, or then I'm gonna walk through the edits with you live. Normally they have complete lessons that you can just print off and use with your students. So you can follow along with your um, down teacher's episodes, your, sorry, your teacher's notebook sheets, you can follow along if you're listening. And if you are watching, you will have the opportunity to see everything Let's see how that goes. Let me see if I can get to the PowerPoint. You'll have the opportunity to see everything that is in the teacher's um, notebook sheets on my screen. So before we get any farther, I because I don't because it's harder for me to jump back and forth between the PowerPoint and something else, I want to tell you about a freebie that I have that goes along with this lesson. Now I just showed you the teacher's notebook. The teacher's notebook for this week does have a proofreader's marked document in it. It has um, like a more formal looking teacherish proofreaders document. It's this one right here. Okay. And uh, that is available in your teacher's notebook. But I also have a complete freebie at my store, Language Arts Lady store at Teachers Pay Teachers that you don't have to pay any money for at all that you can get. And it looks like this. So it's got a nice cover. It's got a posterette that you can hang up or that you can put in your students' binders. It has the official document for teachers, and it has my other coding um, proofreader, my other proofreader's marks, my coding that I use that I'll be teaching about today. And then it also has the sample paper. So you can actually hop on over to Teachers Pay Teachers and get that. Uh, the link will also be given for you in your, um, the link will also be given for you in your uh, email, if you're an email subscriber or it will be given for you at iTunes, YouTube, and the Language Arts Lady blog with the description of this episode. All right, so last week, we walked through um, proofreader's marks, and this is a two-part episode. So this is part two, episode number 32 of editing junior high and high school student papers. So last week, what we walked through was this and what those symbols mean. And then we walk through the coding that I use. 
that is above and beyond proofreader's marks. So the proofreader's mark that you're seeing on your screen right now, uh, that is the document for teachers. And it is um, a, like a universal kind of proofreader mark that's acceptable uh, in publishing houses, um, newspapers, places like that. And it is so that everybody is using consistent coding all the time. Everybody's using consistent marking. And so uh, I have used this with my students. I use it starting in second grade with my writing students, my language arts, complete language arts students and writing students. And they gradually learn these 10 or dozen proofreaders marks and they know what they mean. My editors that I hire to edit first and then I edit on their edits uh, from each of my 60 students that they use these proofreaders marks. This is my universal language for my students' papers. And they ask me, what does this mean? Or they'll take a screenshot and they'll text me. What does this mean? I, I can't remember what this proofreader mark is. And I tell them what it means because that's what I'm here for. And um, so this is universal. The only thing that's a little bit different is this delete. Sometimes it is a circle with a whirly gig as I called it last week because I explained it to you, my whirly gig. Sometimes it is a circle with the whirly gig coming off of it. And sometimes it is a line through with the whirly gig. I like the line through. Um, but the circle does let you see what's inside the circle. So that does have a little advantage there. So then my coding that I use, uh, th this is this proofreader's mark document, it's, it's teachable, right? You can teach from that. Your students can see, oh, I needed to capitalize. Oh, that should be lowercase. Oh, I forgot that comma with that inserted punctuation mark. Oh, I reversed words. Oh, I needed to start a new paragraph and so forth. But my coding marks that I use that I went through last week take editing up to another level. So when I use these uh, abbreviations, these shortened markings, these little words and signs, the, they tell students a lot. Like they teach them a lot about how to write. So one of the things that I like to do is edit a student's paper, edit all of our students' papers. Like I said, my editors do it, then I get it back from them, then I edit on their edits, and then they go back to the students, and then the students do a final copy. I was just thinking the other day how I need to do an episode about the whole process that my students go through, starting with brainstorming to outlining and so forth, just to kind of give you an idea. But what happens is a student will write a rough draft, and then they will do my checklist challenge on their rough draft, then their chart, the checklist challenge chart, and their paper. And I taught about the checklist challenge in episode number 17 and episode number nine. Um, so nine and 17 are the checklist challenge episodes. So they, then they do the checklist challenge and then we take their paper and their chart in and the editor edits it, edits the whole paper using these codings that I made up and these proofreaders marks that are official. They edit the paper and then they grade the checklist challenge. And that reminds me, I was going to email my uh, readers the um, how to grade the CC video. I have a video of that at YouTube um, and uh, of how I score the checklist challenge. So then that paper comes with the chart to me. I double check the editors slash graders grade for the checklist challenge and then I edit on their edits and then I score the whole paper. So um, what you're going to see today 
is one without the checklist challenge. All right, but it will have all of these proofreaders marks in it and it will have all of these codings, other proofreader marks. I don't know, I need to come up with something clever for that um, because, uh, you know, other proofreaders marks slash coding I use on student papers is not really very language arts lady of me, is it? <laughs> now, when you consider all of the alliterations that I have, checklist challenge, definition dissection, you know, just, oh my word, so many, so many clever things. All right, so back to this paper. Let me tell you a few things. I think last week I may have said it was an eighth graders paper and I looked when I received it in my inbox and I'm pretty sure that the girl was in sixth or seventh grade when she did this. Okay. Also in previous episodes, I have mentioned that a student can be at different levels in writing based on their uh, um, interest. So I said, you know, a student could be like really advanced in story writing, but not as advanced. So maybe, you know, a seventh grader could be like ninth grade writing level in story writing, but sixth grade writing level in an essay or fifth grade writing level in a research paper, right? Because it is based on enjoyment of the type of writing. It's based on interest of the student. It's based on the background of experience that a student brings to the situation. And of course, any skills, previous skills that have been taught that the student has learned. So I say all that to say that I believe this girl is in sixth or seventh grade. And I remember specifically that she liked research paper writing that that was what she really, really liked. And she's one of those who would say, oh no, not story writing, right? I, I get this all the time, just last week. I said, you know, we're gonna do story writing in, you know, in high school. And oh, I heard one girl say, oh, just give me the research paper or just give me the research paper already, right? Um, because the interest is varied among students. And so I say all that to say, this is not necessarily this girl's best work, right? Her best work would definitely be a research paper. Okay, another thing that I want you to remember as I go through this paper is that I we would not put this many edits in. I talked about that briefly last week, but first of all, it took me 20 minutes and I'm fast. It took me 20 minutes to do this well, the, to get this, find every single error, every single you know um, suggestion and so forth. My editor spent um, five to 15 minutes on each paper, like the little kids, you know, one paragraph or whatever might only be five minutes up to 15 on longer like research papers or something like that for level C, high school level, and then something in between there for the edits. And then another five minutes or so scoring the checklist challenge. And so then I spend a few minutes after I get it back from them. This would, this, first of all, this edit that is on this story is way too much for what I could afford financially to pay my editors and how much time I could afford to put into it, right? I would have to charge parents a lot more money per class in order to edit every paper like this. I mean, this is just really, really detailed. And I have done that before. I've, I've you know, contracted out to edit, you know, um, papers for a homeschool family before. And it does get very expensive because this is very time consuming, depending on the level that you want done and the depth of it. So that's the first thing that this is not something that we would normally do with every single thing marked on here, okay? The second thing is that I would never give a student this paper, right? I would never say, you know, that here's your paper, there are all your edits, there are all your errors, right? It's way too much. 
It's overwhelming. It's discouraging. I would never do that. All right. So with those two uh, caveats in mind, let's dig in. This is a story. It is how a predator got away from a prey, either got away or didn't get away. Okay. Um, so it's a getaway story. Very short. It's called the very short story in some of my books. Um, we have how to get away from how a predator gets away from a prey, how um, somebody else, somebody gets away from somebody else, and how somebody gets out of a room or a ship or a car or something like that. Very, very short stories. And there's a big lesson that goes with it, you know, that's very much like, I'm trying to see, I feel like I've done one of those with um, on here before. Um, very short. I'm looking through my uh short story gumbo yeah there's lesson hit number 11 and 12 has that um uh i don't see another one i could do a get out lesson here uh, we just did it actually not very long ago with um high school yep we did it two weeks ago with my, all my high school kids okay so this is a very short story so i believe it was four to six paragraphs in length for the assignment. So there's one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five. So it's four to six paragraphs in length. I just thought about that the other day too, how I need to explain why I go by sentences and paragraphs and not word count. So stay with me, I'll teach you that too. All right, so here we go with the first paragraph. All right, you will see a lot of my little coding uh, scenarios in place. So there, the first sentence, as the leopardess walked closer to the end of the woods, comma, okay, and then I put above it in parentheses, sub opener. She will, she knows, they all know. <laughs> then when they get my papers, they know, they know, they know. I mean, it's just like, oh man, I didn't put comma after any of my subordinate clause openers. I know that. And then they usually say, when you start sentence with a subordinate clause, put the comma in when you hear the cause. And then because I old, I'm a ballroom dancer, and for some reason we start doing this. Salsa is what we say at the end of that. Don't ask. <laughs> anyway, so I would put that note above it. I would put the comma in, right? Next line, um, we have a colon. Um, so I took out, can't remember what was there. Oh, semicolon. Yeah. Took out the semicolon. Um, and if she asked about that, I would tell her, remember that you have to have a complete sentence on the left of a colon, but not on the right. A herd of gazelles is fine on the right of a colon, but with a semicolon, you have to have a complete sentence on both sides. So um, you see that what's back here in my uh, in my notes back here that you have a CS semicolon CS. Okay, that's how you use a semicolon. So I would remind her of that. All right, then um, they trampled and munched on the sweet grass. All right, then I have here. The herd was out in the open plain. She knew that she would have to find some type of cover so they wouldn't see her walking up. All right, so then I put CMP beside it. That means that that is a compound. So on the left, the herd was out in the open plain, a little CS above that. That reminds a student that on the left, we have a CS. Above that, on the right, we have a CS. She knew that she would have to find some kind of cover so they wouldn't see her walking up is a complete sentence. And then we put a semicolon between the two. And then I put a little CMP in the margin to remind the students that's a compound and it was made illegally. You cannot, uh, it's a run on uh, the way it is, a run on sentence, right? All right, I'm gonna move on down 
um, to as she walked closer, comma, she stepped on a twig. This scared the gazelles and made them move farther away from the opening of the woods. Okay, again, we have that sub opener. So as she walked closer, comma, and when I teach this, I really emphasize that. And I tell them, now you have your real sentence. You have an opener and now you have your real sentence. All right, but then she has a run on again. She stepped on a twig that scared the gazelles. So I'm going to indicate, with, indicate that that is a run on by putting a CS on the left, a CS on the right, period, capital. So she needs a new sentence there. Okay, a miss uh, on the right-hand side, two complete sentences. So they need to be um, punctuated legally. Move farther away. There's an R missing in that. Okay, I'm down one, two, three, four, five, six, six lines down on the right in the first paragraph. The second they looked up, comma, there's that subordinate clause. Um, well, that's kind of an adverbial opener, but the leopardess was on the ground lying silently. Okay, and uh, this will probably, this would get taken out anyway, uh, because they have to remove um, uh, extraneous adverbs, which extremely, with quietly would be an extraneous adverb. So they have to remove that anyway. So um, yeah, silently, we're gonna get rid of that and use one word instead. When she was sure that she was in the clear, comma, there's that sub opener again, she will definitely remember that after this paper. She looked up and thought about how she was going to get over there. And then in parentheses, she had the wrong there. She had T-H-E-Y-R-E. -E. Um, if I were teaching this, I would say, what does it really say? It really says they are. Yep, do we wanna say? how they're going to get over they are. <laughs> no, we do not. And this, so then as a reminder, I put in the margin here, there, to remind her that that's the there that she wants. Leopards are the best big cats. Okay, so there I'm just uh, recommending a content change that she needs a stronger, more focused word, like more out, most outstanding of the big cats. Um, you know, the epitome of all big cats, something that is a little bit better uh, than best. And then the last sentence on this screen, last sentence of the first paragraph is, there's a very large ditch that went for miles that would take her right up to the next herd without being seen. All right, and that uh, just needs that band word removed very, um, and she can take that out entirely, or she could replace very and large, and she could put mammoth or cavernous or something like that instead of very and large. All right, let's move on to paragraph two. And we have that subclause opener again. All right, so we have, when she finally got to where the herd was, she saw one of the does down in the ditch. Okay, full confession here. I had to look up how to plural does. I took out D-O-E-S with my whirly gig and then looked it up and discovered that really is how you spell does. I thought sure there'd be something else because it really looks like does, right? So anyway, that is why I have a stet there. And stet means to ignore the edit. All right, and she still has that subclause opener problem going on. So she needs that comma following that opener. Um, she got down. Uh, oh, she has another run on. Okay, so uh, she saw one of the does down in the ditch munching on the grass. She got down and ready. Okay, so that's two sentences joined together or two sentences that are running into each other, right? A run on. So I don't recommend a um, 
creating a compound sentence there. And, and I, this is not necessarily something that you have to know today or anything, but uh, my older students know that I don't recommend creating compounds when you have extremely complex sentences on both sides. Uh, just it's a little bit much, right? To have that whole first sentence with a subordinate clause opener, then a semicolon, then a, another compound um, with an opener on the second half of the compound. Yeah, that's just a lot. So we'll put a period and a capital S. All right, then she has a compound that, two compounds actually, that are joined illegally. Okay, so let me walk through those. Capital S, of course, on the sheet. She got down and ready. That's a complete sentence. You could have put a period at it, at the end of it. So I'm always coaching my kids. If you could put a period and it makes sense, then that is a complete sentence. So then she put, but before she could pounce, an animal scared one of the Tommies. All right, and then we'll go to that part in a little bit. But the problem with that is that she is illegally joining two sentences with only a coordinated conjunction. So let me just take you that page here, the bottom of this on the coding that I use is complete sentence, comma, for complete sentence, or comma, and, comma, nor, comma, but, comma, or, comma, yet, comma, so. My kids know that as fanboys. That's a very common way that coordinating conjunctions are taught. Those are the true seven coordinating conjunctions. Um, people try to put other ones in, like then. They try to think that, um, uh, however is one, they try to think that when is one, but that is not true. These are the true seven coordinated conjunctions, CS on the left, CS on the right, comma little CC. And that is exactly how I will say it to the class when I'm teaching. Okay, guys, look here, CS on the left, CS on the right, comma for, comma and, comma nor, comma but, comma or, comma yet, comma so. So that's what we have going on here. Um, right here, and it's joined illegally. So she has the but, but she has to have the comma with it. Okay, so CS, little comma CC, and then CS, All right? Then on this other side, so we ignore the coordinating conjunctions and just look, here's one, she got down and ready. Here's another one, before she could pounce, an animal scared one of the Tommies, okay? So when we have a compound sentence, each half has to be punctuated internally on its own. So there's no punctuation there. She got down and ready. That's, that's a standalone. It doesn't have any internal commas or anything, but this one has a, a subordinate clause opener before she could pounce, comma. So it needs a comma right here. And this whole thing is a complete sentence, not that. That's the subordinate clause on the right side. An animal scared one of the Tommies. And then she has another illegal join so he snorted to warn the others. This is a triple compound. It's a fantastic sentence, um, but the punctuation needs work, right? So she got down and ready, comma, but before she could pounce, an animal scared one of the Tommies, comma, so he snorted to warn the others. Um, triple compounds can be tricky, but it can, I don't think that's a real official name of it, but uh, the point is that they are all related to each other. They're fairly short sentences and they work all really well together. Okay, so when the Tommy did that, subordinate clause opener, the doe ran out of the ditch. The leopardess got down and waited, but when nothing happened, comma, subordinate clause opener, the gazelles went back to eating. 
we have a, a homophone error. Actually, it's not really a homophone error. That would be a homograph error, uh, homo same graph writing. But now, no, she has no K and OW sneeze now. But now they were on guard, which will make it harder for the leopardess to catch one. Very good punctuation there of that closing witch clause. Peeking her, peeking her head over would be a huge risk. Oh, I missed it, comma. But it was the only way to find a new target. I'm missing a comma right here. Complete sentence on the left, complete sentence on the right. As she slowly lifted her head, comma, supporting cause opener, she found her next target. Um, then, let me see what was there. But she has, um, I don't know what she has there, but she has a choice of either putting a comma, a, a positive, a smaller one, but close enough to bite a leg, renaming the target and a positive, or she could use a dash. This is not, I know what it is. She had a semicolon. This is not a CS, so she can't use a semicolon. Okay, so she found her next target, pause, uh, a positive, a smaller one, but close enough to bite a leg, or found her next target, dash, a smaller one, but close enough to bite a leg. And it, that would depend on whether we recently had a dash lesson, whether she knows how to use dashes for emphasis and so forth. All right, let me see what this says here. Um, Covered over. Okay, that's a subordinate clause opener. My my um, sc my screen is covering it over a little bit. My uh, Zoom uh, analytics. Okay, so there we have pronoun clarity. So she is fine. It um, use noun the helpless Tommy etc. Okay, so um, she has the leopardess as being she. And that works really well because the Tommy can either be a he or an it. And then you don't have uh, pronoun um, incompatibility, right? Because the she will always be the lioness and the he or the it will always be the little um, Tommy, okay? So uh, if she uses it, however, and there are other it's like a ditch or a, um, uh, a guard or a head, or something like that, target, then she needs to use um, some nouns more often, the helpless Tommy, et cetera. So uh, the whole pronoun situation is very tricky. And I teach um, extensively on that with animal writing, especially because it can get super confusing as to which animal is doing what. All right, we're gonna keep moving because I know I'm not gonna get through this whole story. All right, looky there, perfect sub clause opener. So she did it right and I wanted her to know it. As she got ready for a second time, she grabbed the leg and dragged the fawn down in the ditch. None of the other gazelles had seen or heard because of, okay, and this is a pronoun issue. Oh yeah, that pronoun issue was on the same page as this because the PowerPoint breaks it in two. So that pronoun clarity is for the she and the it. How fast and where the leopardess had take had down, of how fast and where the leopardess had down, uh, and seen or heard because of how fast and where the leopardess had downed it because the fawn had wandered away from the herd. We have the wrong wander there. Okay, so here we also needed had downed it. We, we also have a problem there. But here we have some pronoun issues. She, oh, and this says awkward. Okay, I'm sorry. This goes down here to this one, this error. It says how fast and where the leopardess had downed it because the fawn had wandered away from the herd. 
wandered is wrong one, I already mentioned that, but this is awkward. Try the cat's swiftness and the fawn's distance from its herd. So it could say um, none of the other gazelles had seen or heard because of the cat's swiftness and the fawn's distance from its herd, as opposed to this uh, is a kind of a clunky uh, phrase right there. Okay, so here is the pronoun issue that I was referring to before. She, it, right? And we have some issues going on uh, because now we're on the fawn, right? And so then we have two she's, but yet the, the Tommy was the it also. So um, yeah, I would help her with that. We would sit down with that and I would go, I would tell her, I would call the leopard a she, the Tommy he and the fawn it, you know, or something like that. I would help her with that, clarify that. All right, then the last sentence on this page, the leopardess would have defended her kill, but decided not to waste her energy. Said that she wouldn't waste her energy. Okay, that's just a little bit awkward. So not to waste her energy since she would probably lose. Okay, and then I put super compound right there because it is a super compound, right? We have on the left, the leopardess would have defended her kill, but decided not to waste her energy since she would probably lose semicolon, and this could have worked with a comma, so, but it's not incorrect with a semicolon, so. So she let the leopard take the dead fawn to a tree, to a nearby tree. Um, and I would, if I did this again, I would have her hyphenate nearby, the two word adjective. All right, gonna do one more quick paragraph and then I'm going to let you go to finish reading it all. All right, so here we go. Um, Name the character early in the paragraph. Yeah, students have a big problem with this, that when they are writing about a she, he, it, whatever, they just go from one paragraph to another with that she, she, she. So I always recommend that they name the character early in the paragraph, a noun, uh, a reference, a direct reference to it, you know, the she cat, like that says there, as opposed to she, him, her, it uh, early on. And then that she cat is the female for them, for them, you know, obviously for the rest of the paragraph. All right, we have some more compounds right there. Um, and again, because we have the fawn, we have the leopardess, and we have the uh, leopard, uh, the he leopard, once the male realized, right? Because we also have the Tommy. So just a lot of clarification will go a long way. So here's the leopard and here's the male, All right? Then we have our subordinate clause opener that needs a comma. And here, um, when Leopard saw she was, that she would do anything to get rid of him, she put a semicolon. And I said, this is not a CS, it's a subclause opener. You can't use a semicolon. You have, and this is where a circle with the whirly gig on it really helps because you can see what punctuation was under it. And then the comma instead, because this is not a complete sentence. All right, I'm gonna move quickly, believe it or not. I haven't been going that fast yet. Okay, after the delay, the leopardess went back to the ditch. And after the delay is a short prepositional phrase opener. Um, I like to put commas following them, but it's not um, a grammar rule. All right, then we have some more abbreviations, right? The jag, right? We have doe, we have a jag, we have fawn, we have, and so you, she has to get some creative. And I have in my books that I do these stories, I, a lot of times, especially in middle school, will have a redundancy box where they think of, you know, they look up, what else could you put for jaguar? What else, I mean, what else could you put for a leopard? What else could you put for, um, you know, a Tommy, you know, a gazelle? 
and they have that box, then they filled it, and then they have that to refer to in their story, right? And that's really helpful for that. Okay, then we have some red. If you remember my secret coding, uh, R-E-D means redundancy. And normally write R-A-G-H-T in the same paragraph wouldn't be an issue, except it's uh, really near each other. So munching on a grass, right munching on grass right beside the ditch, right when one of the Tommies snorted. Okay, so just that's, that makes it sound redundant because it's literally four words away from each other. Uh, one of the Tommies snorted, comma, warning the others. Um, and yeah, she has just then one of the Tommies snorted, warning the others. Um, yep, and then and that's a run on, right? So we need a period capital T. Um, tough need. There we have this problem down here again. She, her, who is who, nouns are needed for clarity. Right, we have a lot going on here. And uh, one of the things that she did is that she moved into research writing mode. So I'm in the last paragraph. So she moved into, she went from, uh, after she had attacked again, sub-opener, the herd had moved on, that compound sentence, but she knew that a tiger or lion wouldn't hesitate to get an easy meal. And then she moved into research mode. The reason why leopards take their kills up in the trees is because no other big cat could get to it. So when they are full, they can leave it there next and come back later. And um, leopards are great climbers and so on and so forth. So I told her that she needed to um, stay in story mode and be sure that she isn't you know, like ending with a report. So I gave her some suggestions there to change that first part to make it so that she's still saying that the kill was up in the nearby tree and all of that, but she is not, um, I'm going over time, sorry. But she is not, um, but she's not doing it in research form or in a, in a re, uh, research report manner. So she stealthily dragged her final kill up a nearby tree, comma, so no other big cat could get to it. Though she was full now, she would leave her next, she would leave her next meal there, then come back later and finish it. She and her kind are great climbers. So she would take advantage of that, both to store her catch and to take a quote unquote cat nap in the same tree. And then I said to be sure that she ends on a story note rather than a research note, rather than a report note. So, and obviously she doesn't have to do that exact same thing, but I wanted to show her how to get this information about the kills, the trees, what, what the characteristics of them are, how they leave their food and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, but do it like her leopardess as opposed to um, just a report. Okay, so then, um, yeah, end on a story note. Okay, so then I have some excellent and some work on. And these are things that were throughout the paper that I indicated with my edits. So excellent details, excellent obstacles, excellent solutions, excellent being true to the animal's character. Uh, that's another thing they have to look up, like what would their, what would their animals do, right, in these situations? And uh, we usually have a box for that as well in our animal papers. Transitions from one paragraph to another and from action, one action to another were good. She needs to work on with being clear who is who, nouns versus pronouns, um, subclause openers, compound sentence joining, run-on sentences, and staying in story mode. All right, I have kept you too long and I'm sorry. Let me go on and tell you um, that you can get freebies. So get your whole, all 32 episodes of your teacher's notebook sheets 
in languageartsladyblog.com forward slash teachers notebook. Here are the free products that have some story writing in them. I don't have uh, a lot of editing products. I do have free episode, free editing teaching via the checklist challenge ones. I believe that was episode nine. That was episode, that, uh, yeah, episode nine, as well as episode 17 of HIT has editing teaching. And then I also have a video, how to grade the checklist challenge. So all of that would help with editing as well. All right, and here are a lot of story writing. I just thought since this was a story that we were editing, that I would give you uh, some suggestions on some of the story products that I have. And uh, these are all downloadable, one week, two weeks, or one month uh, projects that you can find at Language Arts Lady Store and Teachers Pay Teacher Store. And then these are all of the potential um, story writing. Uh, these, these could have stories in them. They could have, uh, they have checklist challenges in them. They're uh, meaningful composition, one semester downloadable books also. All right, create a class. We will create a class. You can hire us. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure to teach you how I teach when it comes to using my edits to teach the students how to improve their writing. Very important, that's not just good job, uh, you know, kind of, kind of slow, could have sped it up, uh, watch your commas, right? That is not how students learn. This is exactly how students learn. Thank you for joining me.